Hello, hello. I'm Kier. And I'm Liam. And this is Hot Take Think Tank. So, Liam, did you know that polyamory is uh, majorly in the discourse this week? Um, uh, well, of course, because it was the topic of uh, your Cure Here essay, and uh. that's the only zeitgeist <laughs> I pay attention to. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, actually, someone messaged me about that, and they were like, mm. "Oh my gosh! Like, what great timing of you to write about polyamory this week." And I was like, "Honestly, the truth is that mm. I was working on another essay, and I couldn't finish it on time. So, it's <laughs> lucky, lucky yeah, timing on my part." <laughs> but yeah, but yeah it's the zeitgeist this week. That's it's what everyone's talking about. It kind of is, yeah. Um, so there's this memoir that came out called More, and uh, it's by this polyamorous woman named Molly Roden Winter. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of getting widely discussed sort of like in the, the mainstream culture, uh, which is not always the case. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I wrote an essay called uh, Polyamory's Superior Superiority Complex uh, last week. Um, yeah. yeah, another good one. <laughs> it, it seems to have, have clicked and lots of lots of interesting comments beneath it and all of that. Um, you mentioned that you wanted to clarify one of the, the points you made in the article. I did actually, yeah. So um, the article kind of is trying to look at some of the ideological trappings, I guess, of polyamory mm. and why, you know, considering polyamory to be like a superior way of being um, leads to some kind of sketchy behavior and stuff. And one mm. of my big points was like, you can't persuade someone to be polyamorous, right? Right, like, right. When I was making my notes for this episode, I, I, I did like copy paste that into my notes and I was like, I might want to push Kier on this a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I think it is possible for one person in a monogamous couple to become interested first and then, hmm. you know, at the second person to develop an interest slower and maybe, right. you know, uh, but at the, ultimately it's not going to work unless both people are uh, agree to it. Right. Um, yeah. and that's actually what I wanted to clarify and complicate a little bit. Right. Mm. Um, because basically not all polyamorous relationships are symmetrical and, uh, I should know this mm. because my relationship is like this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I date other people. My partner does not date other people and this works for us. Right. Um, so that's basically the clarification I wanted to make is that you can have a healthy relationship where one person is polyamorous and the other person isn't. Um, but the person who's not dating outside of it needs to at least feel neutrally towards it, right? They don't have to, like, love it. Right, um, right. Well, and they don't have to, yeah. like, if it were framed as, like, an ideological thing, then it would be harder to strike that balance, right? Because it's like, mm -hmm. no, this is the right way to live life. So if you're not doing that, that's a problem. But yeah, if you take yeah, a, exactly. a more, <laughs> this is just a behavior I'm choosing to partake in approach, then there's lots of room for just, uh, yeah, being cool with it, cool with being not cool doing with it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like if, if the partner who's not dating outside of the relationship feels tons of jealousy or resentment or distress, it's not going to yeah. work. But if that partner's like, meh, that's not, that's fine with me, then, uh, then it's possible. So, so that's one thing. Um, I feel like I sort of smoothed over some complexity in the, in the essay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I feel, I feel like, right. You said, you say like, it's impossible to convince someone to be polyamorous. And I, I, 
I think like sort of what you're getting at with that is the idea that like uh, a conversation where one person tries to talk the other into a polyamorous relationship mm-hmm. uh, is probably not going to be convincing to that other person, <laughs> right? That it's sort of like not, it's, it's something um, that the person needs to like connect with something on internal to them. Uh, like it can't be solely an external force pushing them towards that decision. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like that, that old <laughs> the joke, the therapist light bulb joke, right? How, how many therapists does it take to change a light bulb? How Only many? one, but the light bulb has to want to change. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? It's like, exactly. it's like if you, the, there's no like, well, that's the thing. I feel like making it ideological makes you think that there's like uh, a rhetorical argument you could make that's like ironclad yeah. and absolutely convincing and like no no one could withstand its uh, accuracy. <laughs> right, exactly. But, uh, like that you hmm. if you actually understand polyamory, then you wouldn't right. have to be it because it's obviously <laughs> the right choice, right? No, no, no. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like if you just if you just read this book and give it an honest assessment, exactly. I'm sure you'll understand. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, so that's that's you know what I wanted to sort of challenge uh, in the essay, but I did a bit too much smoothing over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's you know you got to keep your essays. I, I I appreciate how your essays come out nice and concise. So <laughs> a little smoothing here and there. There was one correction I'm bringing for your essay. Bring it on. I'm the guy who loves to read the studies that are cited in these sorts of things. <laughs> and um, let's see. Uh, you say in a 2001 research study, only one in nine people had been in a polyamorous relationship. And only one in six people wanted to try one. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the only, it's it's not a huge thing, but that research study was actually a survey of single people. Oh, um, that's interesting. A, a representative sample of the whole American population of single people. Mm-hmm. But it is that subset. Um, mm-hmm. Which does sort of make a difference in this particular case, because I feel like um, whether or not someone is single might correlate in meaningful ways with whether or not they're polyamorous. Um yeah, absolutely. Just because there's, there's a big chunk of monogamous people who are uh, <laughs> present company included who <laughs> have not been single in a very long time because they just found one partner and uh, stick with them uh, mm-hmm. forever. So Right. So I could see how that wouldn't necessarily yeah, be a proper representation of, of the, yeah, the general to, population. To be sure. fair, the, the study sort of says that thing about it being single people right up top and then drops the qualification Um when it like gives the one in nine uh, statistic, like it well, says, that's one in not nine. great for people like me that just skim things. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, no, yeah, totally. It's that it's like if someone, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's that's it's academic papers, man. They are mm-hmm. hard to read. We might get back into that later. <laughs> I think we might. No, it's good. I'm glad you caught it though, and it is. It's tough. Like I do have to be careful about bringing in statistics because I am not great at reading those papers. And it's funny how yeah. even a simple thing like how many people are polyamorous like totally. is is kind of a hard thing to find something to cite. So yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, kudos for <laughs> trying at all to find a thing to cite. I like that that's <laughs> like on your mind. Like Thank uh, you. that you want to have data in there, and and you do, but uh, not not quite. There was one other. <laughs> Uh, uh, statistic in that um, study that I found interesting. Maybe I'll bring it up here. Mm-hmm. Um, not related to what you wrote exactly, but um, among participants who had previously engaged in polyamory, ooh, maybe we'll turn this into a quiz because I don't have one planned. 
<laughs> so single people who had previously been in a polyamorous relationship, what percent uh, would be in a polyamorous relationship again? Oh, like, would man. Opt for that. <laughs> Oh, Which dear. I think I thought it was a funny statistic because it's almost like a review. It is. <laughs> right? Like we tried this thing. Uh, <laughs> would you do it again? Like... Yeah. Would you recommend? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. I really have no idea. I'm gonna say sixty percent, six zero. Thirty percent. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Which didn't seem great. Um, That's not great. No. Not um, great. Okay. I think this is a good segue because basically what I wanted to do with today's episode is um, I do think that this, you know, zeitgeisty moment has kicked up uh, some a new round of like debates and discussions and some misunderstandings. And I want to talk about them, but I don't want to talk about like the one level or sorry, 101 level stuff, right? Like myth busting right. that all polyamorous are nymphomaniacs. Or, you know, a poly teaching about why you shouldn't treat your secondary partners like crap. Um, I think most listeners right. <laughs> uh, can either have that foundation or they can find it elsewhere. So what I wanted to do is discuss the mm -hmm. things that even well-informed people are either getting wrong or avoiding talking about. Right. Um, yeah, so I've got some, okay. I've got stuff that polyamorous people are avoiding talking about, and I've got some stuff that, uh, maybe monogamous people are, uh, not quite getting right. Cool. Let's get right into it. We'll start with the, uh, things that polyamorists don't want to talk about, except for you. <laughs> except for me. I'm the only good one. <laughs> no. Um, well, I think, you know, polyamorous in general are aware that abuse and mistreatment can happen in polyamorous relationships, just as it can in any relationship. Um, I think you'd have to be pretty deluded to deny that much. I'm sure there's right. some bros out there doing that. But anyways, hmm. we're going to pretend they're not there. Um, but one thing I don't think gets talked about enough is how like the concept of polyamory itself can be wielded over people in a harmful or even abusive way. Right. And um, and that if we consider polyamory to be a superior relationship structure, it really kind of helps enable that type of behavior. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like I kind of gestured towards this in mm. my essay by talking about how, like, both people do have to get on board at some point or it's not going to work out. Um, right. But... I got a comment under the essay that really oh, illuminated yeah. this. Yes, I think I read that one. It's a memorable one. Hmm? Um, yeah, so I'll, I'm going to take a paragraph out of the larger comment, and it says uh, the following. Last year, my partner of a long-term monogamous relationship suddenly asked to date another person, and although I initially agreed, more out of fear of losing the relationship than anything else, it quickly devolved into a situation where I was not okay with being in a, a non-monogamous relationship. I asked for the other relationship to end, and then my partner chose to leave me to be with the other person. I experienced a lot of dishonesty, intentional distortion, and denial of reality. My partner trying to, quote, diagnose me with issues they had read about in poly books, and many more behaviors that have left me with immense pain and heartbreak that I won't get into here. My, per my experiences are personal anecdotes on one level, but I worry that the current poly trend is another example of people adopting dogma and jargon in place of getting to the root causes of why relationships actually may be hard or fail. 
Yeah, fascinating. I I feel bad for this person. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I'm glad this person has like gained the insight to yeah. be able to describe it like this, right? That like totally. their yeah. partner tried to make them feel insane for not wanting to be polyamorous with them. Right, right. Yeah, like like there was something wrong with them for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it it's sort of it it does seem pretty pretty interesting the idea of like um because I, I do feel like it's often talked about in in similar language that people talk about like um sexual orientations or, or mm. gender identities and that sort of thing um which i think are very like meaningful uh like meaningful progress has been made on both of those fronts for like being accepting and being understanding um which is you know like a, a definite good thing for society to work on um and it sort of feels like people uh sort of might like co-opt those rhetorical strategies for other maybe tangentially related topics mm-hmm. and sort of sort of frame them in that same like moral or political way um i don't know almost to like wield against people who who are just trying to be good people <laughs> who yeah. are like understanding about this sort of thing right yeah, no, absolutely. Right. Like, I feel like if this person, if this, I think it was, um, I'm trying to see if there's any pronouns in there. Maybe not. But anyways, the, the person who, who, uh, eventually left this monogamous relationship, yeah, it just feels like they wanted to avoid being the bad one. They wanted to avoid like being totally. responsible for ending the relationship and being like, things have changed yeah. for me. I want something else. I'm going to leave you. Right. That's ultimately like, those are the behaviors that happened, right. but to be able to like totally take zero responsibility for it and push it all mm-hmm. on the other person because they're not open-minded enough. They're too jealous. They're too insecure. Yeah. <laughs> Even when you're the one who's trying to change the terms of the agreement that you have, like yeah. that, that's just like, and I think, hmm. What you're saying, Liam, plays into that, right? Because if polyamory is like a choice that you make, you decide to be monogamous, you decide mm. to be polyamorous, we're not like weighing morality in either of those. Right. Yeah. That's one thing. You kind of have to, as a responsible adult, like, you know, be accountable for the choices you make or changing your mind or whatever. But mm. if polyamory is like something you're born with, that's like, Right. Innate to you and right. you're actually or maybe even coming out to, to your partner. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe even innate to everyone. So you're coming right. out to your partner and helping them reach the next level of enlightenment or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like suddenly you're right. Like all of a sudden, oh, yeah. are we supposed to like celebrate this as like a coming out moment, coming out of the closet? Like Right, totally. And, well yeah. and, and blame this person who left the comment for like not being able to fulfill that like the you know to reach the promised land or yeah whatever. not being it's open-minded like, enough right it, it just like, it strikes me not not in every case obviously but like it just of the idea of like cognitive dissonance and like dissonance reduction where people don't like to uh think of themselves as bad people obviously mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they they sort of will um find ways to justify the ways that they're acting, right? And it's like, if you find yourself in a relationship that you want to end, but you feel bad because you 
you know, have, uh, mean something to this person and you know you're going to hurt them mm-hmm. if, you know, you happen to come across a book that uh, gives an ideology that explains how everything you're doing is secretly okay all along. Um, you might be very drawn to that because it lets you keep everything, right? It lets you keep your crush on this new person mm-hmm. and lets you not feel bad about, uh, yeah, changing changing course on the uh, the previous person. Well, and it's hard to not be a little bit cynical, too. Like, it's it's possible that Mm-mm. this person's partner wanted to be polyamorous, wanted to stay with them, and that's what they said, and that's what they meant. Another possibility is that they were kind of over this relationship, and yeah. they also kind of wanted to make this change in their life. And so, you know, like, it's it's going to harm your reputation more potentially if yeah, you either cheat on that person or you break up and immediately start a new relationship. Whereas Mm. if you do this thing where you're like, Oh, well we opened our relationship and then she changed (laughs) her mind and then like, blah, blah, this other stuff happened. Like, yeah, there's like more wiggle room for you to try and like wriggle your way out of like, and the thing is, is is like we all hurt each other sometimes, right? Like there's no way, yeah. around that so it's not like this is the it's the worst person in the world who like decides mm. to change and break up like that's a thing that happens it's more just like when you have to use all of this like utopian language to try and like obfuscate what you're doing like it's just it gets really ugly <laughs> and I just yeah. like that leaves people with a really awful impression of what polyamory is <laughs> and how we behave. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Well, I, I feel like, yeah, I mean that, that, that whole comment um, reflects sort of like nothing from what I've seen in like your relationships or most of the relationships of other people I know who like have more than one partner at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's almost like um, people like you give <laughs> not on purpose, but like, <laughs> like provide this like armor almost for people like this person, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, it is a, I like, obviously I, I don't think polyamory is like a morally objectionable thing. Right. So then um, it lets people use it as an excuse, maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, especially if we don't talk about it, right? Like, right. if we, like, refuse or just pretend it doesn't happen, like, yeah. Right. I feel, yeah. Is that another thing you wanted to get into, this sort of, like, <laughs> I, it's a joke I usually have heard about, like, vegans, um, right? That's, like, how do you know uh, <laughs> that someone's a vegan, they'll tell you. Um, and I feel like you said similar things can happen uh, with enthusiastic polyamorists yes (laughs) (laughs) yes um i yeah this kind of fits in a bit to the the second topic right um Mm. like misconceptions that monogamous people may have um so there's kind of two parts to that i guess for me and the first part is exactly what you're talking about so a lot of people you know some comments i got online the, they're like, oh, the only polyamorous person I met was so obnoxious about it. They, like, brought it up right. out of nowhere <laughs> in a super, like, inappropriate context. Mm-hmm. And, like, what the hell? <laughs> like, it really put me off of it, right? And um, 
I do have that experience. I remember going to the mm. bike shop to get my bike fixed last year. <laughs> and <laughs> the uh, guy a classic venue to talk about your relationship status. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that's why I really went there. Um, <laughs> no, and the, the mechanic was like fixing my bike and then was like, oh, yeah, my other partner, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, first of all, sir, you have not talked about your first partner. <laughs> so you could just say partner right and then say the thing right uh-huh. like i don't uh-huh. actually need to know like your relationship structured <laughs> it was like an anecdote about like an injury that person had had and how they got better right. from it or something like that right mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like again a situation that did not require the disclosure of polyamory it's, i do feel like i this uh, you know might be my monogamous uh maybe this is part of part two where we tell me <laughs> liam that, that, that liam's wrong but part of the vibe of that is like is like dropping that you're single that's the feeling i get right as right. being like being like, oh yeah, no, I have I have more than one partner. If if you're looking for someone to be one of the many, you know, you want to join the club. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. And you know what? Like it was like slightly that vibe. I couldn't tell for sure. But and I'll be honest, the other part of me was like, all right, like you're kind of a bro, but I kind of appreciated it also because I'm in the suburbs where like I don't right, know if there's yeah. like I would have no idea how to date out here polyamorous. Yeah, totally. So. <laughs> Maybe you just like spotted your tattoos and was like, I think I can say this in front of this person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like, those are some bad stick and pokes. Um, <laughs> let's talk about this. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I guess what I wanted to say about that is I do feel like that might be a bit of the availability heuristic playing out. And right. what I mean by that is that it is likely that people who think they've only met one obnoxious uh, polyamorist also know other polyamorists who haven't told them because they (laughs) keep their private life private. (laughs) Totally. That's the other, that's like the flip side of the vegan joke is like, how, how can you tell that someone's a vegan if they don't tell you? Right. Right? It's like, well, it's hard to measure that one, isn't it? Exactly. (laughs) Unless you're eating a meal together where it's like conspicuous. It's yeah. You, uh, yeah, you don't always know if someone's a vegan or not based on if they tell you. You know for sure that they are if they do, but if they don't, you know nothing about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I do feel like, yeah, there are a lot of us who are not going to drop it into random conversation. It's only going to come up if yeah. it's relevant. And like, for me, it's, I don't consider it like the same as coming out. So like, oh, I mm. should, you know, reduce the stigma by talking about it all the time. I'm like... No, it's my business and it's like, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's need to know. And I think the other thing that I wish people would have a little bit of, uh, compassion for maybe is like, mm. I think many of us, you know, had a friend when they were young, maybe a teenager who came mm. out of the closet and was just like covered in rainbows had like mm-hmm. the biggest sassy lisp and was like swinging their hips all over the place. And, and that was a phase <laughs> that person mm. did not stay <laughs> like that forever. They were just, they had some right. like baby gay energy that slowly dissipated. <laughs> um, and I, I suspect, I hope that polyamorous mm. are often the same where when they first encounter it and are experiencing it, they get very excited and annoying about it. Yeah. Uh, and then they mellow out. I feel like that 
is a pattern you see in all sorts of things. Like <laughs> yeah. whenever someone like reads a new book that they're really into, then like all of a sudden you hear all about it and then they move on the next time you see them. You know what I mean? It's like people, yeah. people uh, get excited about things <laughs> and want to talk about them. And uh, yeah, kind of doesn't matter what the thing is, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, and for may- sure. Maybe people do it a bit more when it is like somehow reducing the cognitive dissonance, right? Which I could see for polyamory or just coming out of the closet in that it's like, if you feel like it's the sort of thing that society generally rejects, um, right. just being able to, um, I don't know, like find some evidence to the contrary, right? Just by talking about it and not being shunned for it mm-hmm. um, could just feel good right like like your your place in the world is uh, is valid and you get to uh be the way you want to be um yeah totally yeah like it it, it seems <laughs> like a sensible I it's not a fine thing to talk about so much of this is like it seems like fine things to do and be but it there's like there's this like inclination to it makes me think so much of your essay a couple of weeks ago about the purity um mm like standard and the idea of like right maybe people want to like right they want to be pure in the things they watch and the the things they say and the people they interact with and all of that and like is part of can polyamory be part of that where it's like i need to purify even my understanding of how relationships should work mm-hmm. right where it's like not um it's like another thing on on the checklist of like I am an okay person in the social justice subculture, right? That like I I, I you know it's mm-hmm. just um, which is it's a weird one because it's like it seems like you were saying, right? It's not something that can, someone can be like talked into, mm-hmm. um, or not something that someone should be talked into. But it's like if you're in a certain culture where it's uh, right where monogamy is like seen as regressive, yeah. do you end up like needing to adopt this this new approach to this part of your life that probably should just be up to you? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I definitely heard from a couple different people who um, are LGBT and monogamous, and we're just mm-hmm. talking about how first of all how hard it is to date like that that you have a much much smaller dating pool. Right. Um, and then also the, the kind of baggage that can come with it where, yeah, you do get treated maybe like, um, yeah, you're insecure or you're, you're jealous or there's, there's something not quite right with you if you, if you choose to be monogamous, like, but actually this kind of is another great segue because, Mm -hmm. um, I think through what we read, there is an important distinction actually to be made between, lesbians and gays and how into polyamory they are versus bisexual and pansexual people who often would call themselves queer these days Mm. and how much they like polyamory um and the general thing just being that um i think that there are these ideas of who's polyamorous right they're white they're wealthy they're a democrat Mm -hmm. um (laughs) and it seems like from what the reading i've done that sort of is a myth that's largely left over from like studies of swingers in the 1970s. Um, hmm. It doesn't accurately paint a picture of like who is polyamorous today. So why don't we yeah. talk about that next? 
Yeah, totally. Yeah, you sent along a piece from the Rolling Stone, Rolling Stone magazine, I guess is what they like to be called. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, who really practices polyamory, and it's mostly uh, like a summary of a research paper um, from the Journal of Sex Research: Demographic Comparisons of American Individuals in Polyamorous and Monogamous Relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, an interesting study. The <laughs> this episode hopefully is more than just Liam complaining about uh, reporting of statistics, <laughs> but um, but statistics are confusing and uh, studies are often not written for like uh, a general audience and then the people who translate them to general audiences uh, sometimes don't don't uh, read the study quite right. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the headline thing because you you asked me sort of what that study said uh, in that regard and the gist of it was that. Uh, like it's a big survey, like 2,500 people, I think, um, 80% uh, polyamorous. It's like a web survey sort of thing. Uh, so not a representative sample necessarily. Mm-hmm. But um, of the people who checked monogamous, normative fashion, I guess you'd say today. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> right. So it's like this, I feel like there's, um, I don't know, there, there are gay and lesbian people of all stripes, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's not, it's not... Um, I'm not sure what the overlap between um, like a, having a sexual orientation other than heterosexual and being in social justice culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I feel like the, that overlap might be smaller than uh, people think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do feel like queer is um, more or less a political identity at this point and hmm. generally does correlate with social justice beliefs not 100 percent of the time i mean i don't know what to call myself at this point because <laughs> queer feels re- weird for those reasons but it's also mm. like feels like the right word but um but yeah yep. there are a lot fewer people that identify as like lesbian or gay who are into the social justice world partially because there are these ideas that like having that type of preference could be transphobic um, oh, right. Yeah. I, it, it's like almost calling yourself a lesbian is like regressive or something. Yeah, there which is seems that like idea. A wild, like a whiplash. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of like what, like 10, 15 years, maybe, maybe it's a weird one. <laughs> it's a weird one. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of gotten to the point where like lesbian in social justice land means whatever you want it to mean. <laughs> you don't have to be a woman. You don't have to like women. It's just if you feel like you want to use that word, you can maybe. use it. It's a vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. I really, I think that that's, that's where that's at. Um, but yeah, it's just generally unpopular <laughs> to call yourself a lesbian. So most people don't uh, in that world. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's some other interesting stuff in here. Um yeah, there was, uh, okay, I wanted to get into the, yeah, the question of, like, uh, ethnicity, the question of education, yeah. and even wealth and right. politics. Is it rich white people? Rich yes. white Democrats? <laughs> is it rich white Democrats? Is that who polyamorous people mm-hmm. are? Okay, so... Um, Although most of them are bisexual or pansexual, you know, not all, but many, many of I them. Feel, my brain does something funny with that fact where it's just like, mm-hmm. if you have to choose a set of three or more people, you're probably going to have 
more <laughs> than one or two genders in that group. So yeah. you, it's like you got to be by your pansexual. You need if you someone in there along. to be exactly someone in your <laughs> you know, like the your triad has to be <laughs> exactly. Just the math doesn't quite work. <laughs> no, you're you're totally right. Unless I guess you could have like a chain, but anyways, um, yeah. I mean, then we're getting into like topography or geography. Ge- <laughs> yeah. That's ge- geometry. <laughs> geometry. Yeah. You'd have to start uh, diagramming things out. Yeah. I actually. And did... if I have trouble reading the statistics studies, <laughs> then a geometry paper I'm going to be lost in. <laughs> I did once when I was living in a queer collective house where probably almost everyone was polyamorous, including in very dysfunctional ways. Um, My friend and I did sit down and do like the L word style, like map of everyone who had dated everyone else. Okay, I don't, uh, I'm not familiar with the L word, but I (laughs) I can guess, I think from context, is what you're talking about. It's like everyone is like, gets their name in a circle and then you draw the lines between people kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Like a big brainstorm, (laughs) except with relationships. And it, it gets pretty wild looking. Um, <laughs> but anyways, so some surprises, uh, mm-hmm. I, I thought. Uh, one of them is that um, polyamorists are more likely to be in a low income bracket and monogamous mm-hmm. people are more likely to be in a higher income bracket. Yeah. So the wealthy idea doesn't hold up to scrutiny. Mm-hmm. Um, political affiliation yeah. Was interesting. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> there, I, I'm not sure that the right statistical way to put this, but it seemed like um, polyamorous were just as likely to be Democrat or Republican as as monogamous right. people were. The Rolling Stone article made it seem that way, didn't it? <laughs> oh, OK. Here we go. <laughs> no, it, uh, looking at the actual data table, uh, that's not the right interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um there, it's it the actual divide there is uh let's see make sure I'm looking at the right number about forty three percent of people in the polyamory group are Democrats mm-hmm. uh, and three percent are Republican. Oh, interesting. But the so the interesting bit there is uh that that only adds to forty six. <laughs> so where is everybody else? Right. Uh, they are mostly 36% in the independent category. Oh, interesting. Um, which was sort of one of the broad trends is that maybe people in polyamorous relationships generally like to not be in categories or like be clearly labeled. They like, like the other box. <laughs> yes, there were some comments about that, like just how many other responses they got for pretty much every question. People would check other and then write their own personalized answer, not satisfied with. The list they've been presented with. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Same with religion. 30% checked other, um, which is high given like the agnostic, atheist, Buddhist, Christian, Hindu, Jewish, and Muslim were all options. Uh, <laughs> but other was 30%, which is, yeah, not. <laughs> it's pagans. Uh, it's all pagans. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. You know, Satanists, the <laughs> heathens, Wiccans, pagans. <laughs> But yeah, so it, it, it's true yeah. that there's not like a single political affiliation that everyone falls into, but uh, it's Democrats is the biggest cohort and independent is the second biggest. Okay. So there's not a bunch of secret Republican polyamorists based on this. No. 
data. Okay. That's a good <laughs> distinction because I do feel like the Rolling Stone coverage of that was misleading. Yes. Um, <laughs> what about um, education? Right. Education. Um, that seems to not be strongly correlated one way or the other. Okay. Uh, we got people with high school or less associates degrees and bachelor degrees, and they're about equal uh, between the two categories. Okay. How about yep. um, ethnicity then? Is Are polyamorists particularly white? Are as they particularly cohort? white? Okay. Ethnicity. White only. Uh, no. In fact, they are slightly less white than monogamists. Oh, that's interesting. In this study. <laughs> in this study, yeah, yes. <laughs> in, in, the, in the study, 83% overall were white. Um, in the polyamorous group, 83, I mean, half a percent less were white. And in the monogamy group, 86% were white. So more whites in the monogamous group. Interesting. Wise. But mm-hmm. yeah, a pretty white sample overall. <laughs> right, right. So it doesn't tell us a whole lot about Right. And it also doesn't the it's funny, it's one of these studies that like wasn't written, I don't think, to be put in the media. Um by which I mean it didn't there's some work you could do to these numbers to make for better headlines that they did not do for the study. Um mm-hmm. by which I mean like they didn't um do the math where it's like um, you could extrapolate sort of like if you find that like your sample has this many white people, this many black people or whatever, you could look at the full population numbers for the various race categories mm-hmm. and do some math and multiplication to figure out like um, what like the rates are, right? Are, right. are white people disproportionately represented uh, mm-hmm. one way or another? And they did not do that math. So it's sort of hard to discern right is is are the 86 percent white is that more white than any random group of people you pick off the street or Mm -hmm. less white uh hard to say i also noticed that it said that um polyamorous were much more likely to check multi-ethnic or native and Mm. so there (laughs) there there's a slightly cynical part of me that's like Hmm. Uh, I wonder yeah. what that means to those people. Right. Exactly. Is that like checking the other for their religion where they're right. like, I'm, you know, can't label me. I'm, I'm exactly <laughs> <laughs> very free spirited. Maybe, you know, yes, not, yeah. not, uh, who knows? Maybe they, you know, had a saw shaman and saw a past life and figured out uh, something about their exactly. uh, genetic makeup. You never know. You never, you never know. know. Okay, can we talk about past lives for a second? Sure. <laughs> I just the thing that cracks me up so much is that mm. like absolutely no one ever finds out that they were a peasant. It's true. <laughs> never. I've never ever heard no. of that. <laughs> and Which like, is remarkable given that like almost everyone used to be peasants. That was I'm like pretty sure like you could life. you could probably say like at least 95% of all the humans yeah. that have ever lived were. Yeah, lived in squalor of some sort or another. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> like maybe hunter gathering, maybe farming, subsistence yeah. farming. But like 
There was only right. one and Cleopatra, only... right? <laughs> I was going to say Cleopatra. But she has Cleopatra. a lot of, yeah. there a was lot only of descendants. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I think when uh, Ross and Carrie from Oh No, Ross and Carrie, that podcast I love, uh, I think when they did past life regression, Carrie was in fact Cleopatra. So that's cool. Amazing. Uh, yeah. I'm sure she's the only one. Because <laughs> only one person could have the same past life. That only makes sense. You would uh, think so. You <laughs> would think so. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it definitely feels like um based on this study, yeah, it seems like polyamorists are yeah, very interested in sort of self-defining and um yeah, like kind of finding themselves outside of the list of options in a number of different ways. And it's interesting because I do feel like when I read the Rolling Stone article I did get a slightly distorted picture that you helped clear up that there aren't a bunch of secret, uh, yeah, Republican secret Republican. No, Republicans like monogamy. That's like right up top. Yeah. <laughs> Guns, monogamy and hating immigrants. That's, that's their whole thing. <laughs> triad. Um, but, but I do think it's mm-hmm. the wealth thing is interesting. Um, yeah. that the average polyamorist is likelier to, have less money than the average monogamist. Um, yeah. And that the education is about even, um, the ethnicity thing. It, it, it's not overwhelmingly more white, uh, in the polyamorous cohort. Um, so yeah, I just, it's interesting cause I feel like polyamory, I mean, it kind of comes and goes like in popular consciousness right. or whatever. Um, but I do feel like, you know, cause in this moment, you know, there's this memoir and the memoir was put out by Mm. this woman who like lives in park slope and i looked up park Uh slope and you know the average house there is like costs like 1.7 million dollars or something like that it's a neighborhood in new york city i think right yeah in brooklyn yeah Yeah. so it's like cream of the crop creme de la creme neighborhood um so yeah so that probably it's a very romantic spin on uh the whole the whole thing or like a very you know mass appeal sort of glossy glossy finish (laughs) yeah totally and we've seen like some polyamory there was like a little bit in white lotus there was uh Mm. some in succession so Mm -hmm. you know definitely in a lot of the media representations you do have these like obnoxious wealthy people that are (laughs) um that are practicing it and they do but um but yeah that's not like representative of like your average polyamorous and i think that's that's worth like worth pointing at yeah oh totally <laughs> there was one, one other interesting bit where there like was a, a meaningful uh divergence between the two groups um was under their marital status a lot of polyamorous people were divorced mm-hmm. much more than monogamous people which i think is just an interesting sort of like i mean it seems almost obvious right where it's like someone who tried you know the height of monogamy getting married mm-hmm. and didn't work <laughs> out that person is likely to try something else yeah, uh, that seems uh, like a natural natural growth venue for the polyamory movement, <laughs> right? As people who, uh, yeah, try tried the mainstream, didn't work. Try something else. Yeah, totally. And I think the researcher said like there could be multiple explanations for that, right? Like there's mm. the simple math of it. If you have more relationships, you're gonna have more breakups, you know. And if yeah. marriage is in there, then you're gonna have divorce in there too. Um, well, and I yeah. guess you could you could also point to like the other direction of causation where it's like maybe the person was like inherently a polyamorous type, right. and that is why they got divorced. 
<laughs> yeah, or, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. They were repressing their true nature, <laughs> which like, <laughs> I don't want to be entirely dismissive of that. I think there are people that like are really unhappy in one style of relationship or the other. Like, yeah. obviously I do think that, or I would think that you could convince people to be polyamorous, right? If, if totally. like no one had any like inclination one way or the other. Um, right. I think I, I wonder though, like the distinction between it being like in someone's nature or just like in their experience or how they feel or behave. Like, I, I don't know if it's, it might be a, a distinction without a different sort of thing, but like, um, in their nature, I feel like implies some sort of like, I don't know, genetic tie or mm-hmm. you know, like innate characteristic of a person. Um, Whereas I feel, I feel some, for some reason I bump against that and it's like, that seems to put too much weight on it in my mind where it's like, just it, you, things don't have to be innate to be worth caring about. Right. Like it, yeah. And to be, to be strongly like, felt, right? <laughs> totally. Like you yeah. can just strongly feel something because you had an experience or because you read a book or right. You had mm-hmm. a bad breakup and you don't want to go through that again. Like those are. Those are fine reasons to want a relationship of one type or another. There doesn't have to be this, like, appeal to nature or appeal to the genetics or anything like that. It's like you yeah. can just, you know, <laughs> people <laughs> people can choose this sort of thing. You can uh, mind I, your I business. <laughs> you can let other people mind their business. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it doesn't have to be this, like, um, there's just so much. I feel like there's so much stuff where people try to tie it into these, like, big rhetorical arguments where it's like, you know, this is the, this is, you know, the one true way to eat is mm-hmm. this diet. And that's because our caveman ancestors used to eat, or right? Or like, and it's like, even there's not, there's nothing, I don't know. I, I don't find that sort of thing very compelling. People, yeah. there's lots, lots of things that were bad in the past and like that might be in our nature. Right. That it's good <laughs> that we don't do anymore. And it's like a weird, um, it's like, it's like a line that people use to, uh, argue in favor of things that they like and that they ignore when it comes to things that they don't like. Right. Uh, whether or not something is natural seems like a, a unimportant <laughs> distinction to me. Yeah. I mean, it might be, it might be interesting. It might be useful yeah, in some sure. ways, but it, it is not fatalistic, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, if, you know, I don't know if, if it is true that testosterone makes someone somewhat more likely to commit violence, like that doesn't, um, mean they will right. it doesn't mean they're not capable of choosing otherwise like it just yeah it, it's like a fact right and we get to decide totally. like what to do with that <laughs> right yeah exactly. what the implications <laughs> of it are like what choices yeah. what policies what decisions <laughs> to make around that right totally well and it's like yeah. I, f- I just feel like a lot of this just comes down to like try and be a good person Right. It's like you want to have good relationships. That's probably the that part that matters more, I would say, than the structure of the relationship is like whether or not you're being good to the people who you're dating, <laughs> no matter how many yeah. of them there are. Right. And it's I feel like there's this the aspect of the ideology of polyamory that your article sort of arguing against is that it's like somehow this like perfect system that like mm-hmm. any any like pain or heartbreak that occurs is because of a failure to live up to this perfect way of having a relationship 
um, mm -hmm. as opposed to just like that's how things go. There isn't the perfect anything, <laughs> and like you, the the important thing is to like do your best, um, sort of regardless of, uh, regardless of like hurt or pain that might show up in a relationship. Um, it's mm -hmm. not like it's not that there's. It's like making it to it's like making it black or white right like that there's a right way to do these sort of things um doesn't seem particularly helpful as opposed to just like trying uh like striving to do well <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah no i think it's and that's something that kind of ties like social justice culture and polyamory together mm. Apart from the fact that there's tons of overlap, but it's right. also just the utopian nature of it, right? The utopian history of it. The idea that like yeah. you want to live a life that will bring forth the world that you want, right? That's like, mm. that's what's behind it, right? And so, yeah, that it's a, it's an odd way to live. I don't know. On the one hand, like, although I, I no longer want to be a utopian, like, I think I'm... I think I'm still an idealist. Like it's hard for me to just be yeah. like extremely like rational and pragmatic and reasonable all the time. Hmm. And I like, I mean, I even had a paragraph that I ended up t editing out of that yeah. essay <laughs> that kind of speculated on it. It's like, well, why am I polyamorous? Like, I don't know. Hmm. Is it because like I had a crappy boyfriend at 18? Is it because my parents right. got divorced? Is it because <laughs> like, I'm like, who knows right like yeah um and uh there was a a thoughtful comment underneath the essay that kind of mm. was saying like that i've done a lot of like critical introspection in like on ways that um like radical culture has impacted my life and so they were kind of curious like where polyamory fit into that oh, right yeah. um and i kind of mm. get that it's like well if you're if you're no longer you know into identitarianism in social right. justice politics why would you necessarily still be polyamorous and totally. yeah, I think, yeah like yeah. In, in your transition away from that stuff what all will fall away right exactly like a, an interesting question yeah and is this like an unexamined part of my life or is it and, mm. and for me the answer is that it's been important for me to like figure out what the ideological trappings of polyamory are and to challenge right. those and that's what the essay does um and for me like now polyamory is just it's a practice it's a choice it's a lifestyle right. yeah. and it's also really important to me that like i don't choose it over people that i love like if my partner tomorrow mm. was like listen i don't want to do this anymore i want to be monogamous like i would say yes to that because that's how much that right. relationship matters to me. And I'm not willing to right. sacrifice people I love for a value anymore. <laughs> right. And you, and you don't see it as you wouldn't see that as like a moral failing on their part or like they need no. to read a book or understand the argument better. No, or that like, they were trying yeah. to <laughs> repress me or. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think like, that really matters to me. The like, I need to have the cognitive flexibility to choose something, right? If there's something yeah. that I feel like I have to do, that I'm forced to do, that I must do, or I'm uh, 
a bad person. Like I need, I need to look at that and, yeah. and really consider if, if, if that's true or not, it's true for certain things. Like if I murder someone, mm. like, you know, Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> it's not all relative, but there are a lot of decisions we do make that like, you know, they have right. weight to them and they affect people. Um, but there's not necessarily like if you're not religious or you don't have sort of another, um, kind of set of baked in principles that you're following, you, you mm-hmm. have a lot of decisions to make. Totally. Yeah, well, it's 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 interesting to hear you talk about it like that. It just makes me think that like, um, a lot of a lot of a lot of what matters isn't just like the final decision, but also like the process that someone used to get to that final decision, mm-hmm. right? It's like not, you know, to be polyamorous or not, um, could go either way. But if you choose either way out of a sense of like moral superiority or, you know, uh, an anger or hatred or like an ideology or, or even opportunism. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Like to, to weasel your way out of something that that's, that's the, that's where the problem lies. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. a weird, it's a weird thing where it's like the, the result isn't, um, what like neither of the results are wrong, but you can still get there wrongly. (laughs) Mm-hmm. that's a good way to put it yeah yeah hmm. yeah it's definitely been interesting to see all the uh all the discourse there's definitely been like some pretty wild <laughs> takes you know or kind of right. a reminder that you uh, did send along a, a comment that compared it to bestiality i think yeah. Which is wild. Yeah, that that happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting. I think um I don't know if I can find this real quick in my notes or not, but there was something that we read that talked about how likely people who hadn't who weren't interested in polyamory were of respecting polyamorous people. Oh, right. Yeah. Where it was, was it? really low (laughs) yes yeah i remember seeing the same like people who are outside of that culture think of it as a a morally repugnant kind of thing yeah yeah i the number that's in my head is like one in seven Mm. non-polyamorists thought that that was like a respectable choice to make um So, yeah, that's slightly depressing. <laughs> that's probably <Yeah. laughs> also why I usually don't tell people. Um, <laughs> right, right, because most people will think of it, uh, think of you worse for it. Yeah, and I think that's why, like, some people do get upset when you critique a small subculture that, right, you know, right. continues to, like, really not have, like, power exactly, right? Like, maybe there's a Maybe there's a cool factor to polyamory, but like (laughs) there's not like political power there, Um, you know. So but at the same time, like. I don't know, I I do just really strongly disagree with that kind of notion of like needing to sort of like protect your in-group from um, criticism, even if it's valid, because then you just seem dishonest because you are. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, and good criticism helps move and get stronger. 
it doesn't mm-hmm. hurt them, right? Like it, it can point out things that will cause problems if not addressed, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I'd, I'd love to get the message out there that like using polyamory as a cudgel against your partner is not a good look. Yeah. And people aren't going to think it's cool, so <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, there's one other thing I wanted to point out before okay. we uh, signed off mm-hmm. here. <laughs> this was also in the Rolling Stone article. I should say the author's name, too, real quick. Oh, Zachary oh. Zane. Mm-hmm. The article, who really practices polyamory in the Rolling Stone. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> it mentioned a YouGov study that, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it used like a, a spectrum of uh, like polyamorous right. to monogamous, right? Like kind of like a, mm-hmm. a, is it the Kinsey scale? Uh, uh, numbers, right. right? Fully monogamous on one end, fully polyamorous right. in the other, and people could pick in between. Mm-hmm. And this was interesting because when I was doing my essay, I was looking, trying to find like an accurate number for how many people are polyamorous. Yeah. And it is, it's a tricky thing to pin down. Um, mm-hmm. But that study did find that only half of millennials want a 100% monogamous relationship. Um, right. So it'll be interesting to see over time, like, is it trending right now? Are, are they going to change their minds later or you know, is it really a, a shift that's going to, like, ha- sustain itself in, in subsequent generations? But the thing yeah. that really cracked me up mm. was that regardless of how monogamous or polyamorous the respondents were, yeah. <laughs> they were all more comfortable with themselves having extra partners than their partners <laughs> having extra partners. <laughs> right. <laughs> Everyone's like, it's fine if I do it. I just don't want my partner to do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I do think that that same study, it was like the the cohort that was most on the side of polyamory was like the college age men. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the was Which isn't a, a group that I strongly associate with like the social justice thing. So I feel like they might have been. That's they might have had something else in mind. <laughs> yes, yes, that's a very good point. <laughs> well, um, I think that's about it for today. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, we've sort of been taking a different, a, a more relaxed, uh, more focused approach uh, to the podcast. Maybe if anyone has thoughts on that. It would be cool to hear about them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Leave us a comment, uh, what you thought of today, what you thought of uh, us kind of switching it up a little bit, yeah. and uh, we'll read them. <laughs> totally. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been Hot Take Think Tank. Until next time. Bye.